0: Christmas. It is great to have everybody here. If you're visiting from out of town, just in because oh, they all went to church, so I guess I'm going to. Hi, I'm Mark, and uh, it's great to have you here at Bay Life Church. We are uh, celebrating tomorrow morning the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a big deal, and uh, we're so grateful to be able to do that together with you tonight as a church. And so uh, we're going to talk a lot about church or Christmas traditions, and then and then the real meaning behind Christmas and uh, I, I have a couple traditions that uh, I remember from growing up. One was uh, just like the kids behind me. I was always in the in the church play. I was the guy who uh, I was usually the shepherd. Except back then, we didn't have you know the budget for like acting beards and stuff like that. You had to pencil them in with an eyebrow pencil. Anybody remember that? And it just hurt going on, and then it never came off. It was like January before he actually stopped having a beard. Uh, but I remember that. And then... Uh, Uh, We'd come home from Christmas Eve, and and I'd uh, sit down uh, the next morning with my dad with coffee breath. Anybody remember their dad's coffee breath? Uh, Could like peel paint, but uh, with coffee breath, he'd sit me and my sisters on his lap, and he'd read us the story of Christmas from Luke chapter 2 in his Bible. So I thought we'd combine both of those traditions, and uh, and so these kids were great enough to spend their day up here, and uh, can you give them a round of applause? These guys did a great job all day. So uh, let's read together from uh, Luke chapter 2, the whole story behind Christmas. Oh, he'd sit down on a chair like this and gather me and my sisters into himself, and he'd uh, start like this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field and they were keeping their watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste across the stage. Good, you're paying attention. <laughs> they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they knew uh, or they remembered what was had said to them uh, concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. Not bad. (laughs) For all they had heard and seen as it it had been told to them. Give it up one more time for the Baylife player. Bow it out. There you go. Gandalf, take the rest of them out of there. All right. Traditions. Those are a couple of mine. What are yours? Anybody got big Christmas traditions awaiting them? Anybody eat a certain meal for Christmas? Ham people? Ham people, raise your hand. Turkey people? McDonald's people? Uh, who opens their Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve? Anybody? What's wrong with you people? That's entirely wrong. That is, no, I'm kidding. I, you do whatever you want. It's your world. It's your house. You do what you want. Anybody open their Christmas tomorrow morning? Christmas gifts tomorrow morning? Who does a little smattering of both? Anybody do a Christmas Eve and a Christmas morning? Yeah, that's outstanding. Uh, I was distracted by your suit, sir. Could you stand up for everybody real quick? Everybody give it up for this Christmas suit. There it is. (laughs) Bam! How's your ADD? Anybody doing okay? Wow. Thanks, Frank. That's good, Yeah, Did you lose a bet for real? That's great. All right, well, I was preaching. What was happening? I was preaching, right? Yeah, uh, we have a tradition at our house that we, uh, we give uh, one gift to open on Christmas Eve. And, uh, and this is an actual gift from under my tree. It's from my daughter, Chelsea, uh, and it's from her mom. Uh, so you've got to remind me to take this back tonight. I've got to bring this back to the house or she won't have it. But uh, I thought I'd use it as an emblem of a gift that I would like to give to everybody here on this Christmas Eve. Uh, uh, full, full, uh, full disclosure, it's a re-gift. Has anybody ever gotten a re-gift? The re-gift, I, I, it's already been given to me, and I'm just going to pass it on to you. Um, I, I'm, not a huge, I'm a huge fan of the re-gift. I, uh, I've received a few of my time. One time I went to Christmas. Actually, the first time I was married to my wife, I went to a Christmas at her house, and her Aunt Treva uh, forgot that I was married to her, hus- her, her, her niece. I'm her husband. There we go. And, uh, and so you could just tell that she grabbed the closest cassette tape that she had in her car and wrapped it, like, in the back room while we were getting ready to open gifts. So I got Sandy Patty uh, for Christmas that year. Some of you know who she is. Very, just a beautiful singer. Uh, but, it, you know, like all the words were off the cassette tape. You know what I'm talking about. It was an old one. And uh, uh, re-gifts are, are, are that way. But th- this re-gift is uh, something that was given to me. Uh, it, was, it was offered to me my whole life. Uh, but I, I got it finally when I was 19. And if I could give it to you tonight, man, it would just make my Christmas. And it's, it's the gift of peace. See, a lot of people don't understand Christmas uh, fully. Like, like, like they may get that it's a Christian holiday and it celebrates the birth of the Christian you know, deity, Jesus, the Son of God. But they may, may skip out on the fact that, that really Christmas is synonymous with peace. And I just read it when we were reading the story. I don't know if you picked it up, but it's in Luke chapter 2. And in verse 13 it says this, And suddenly there was an, uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And everybody say it with me. And on earth... Peace, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The whole Christmas thing, uh, and the whole Christian thing, in fact, is all about peace. Uh, God loves us, and he wants to restore for us the peace in our lives. And Jesus came to bring us peace. That's what his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection were all about, peace. He came, as we've been learning this month, he came to bring us peace personally, you know, to save us from ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm really good at messing up my life. And so a huge part of of the peace that, that God wants to bring us through Jesus Christ is, is an inner peace, a peace with ourselves. So we don't have to follow us in the mess. We can follow him into life. He came to bring us peace relationally. We talked about that this past Sunday and how uh, because of of these new eyes that we've been given, we don't see the, uh, people with our old eyes, the eyes of the flesh. We can see them with new eyes and we can we can figure out ways to, See past all of the initial hurts and disappointments and disagreements, and, and we, can, we can forge peace in relationships because, uh, well, we slow down long enough to do something that's, that's positive. We sort out all the things uh, and, and see through all the things that would keep us from making assumptions, and, and, and God gives us peace. If you haven't heard that message, go online. It's there. But tonight, I want to talk to you about the peace that is most important, uh, the peace that makes all the other pieces possible. Uh, it's this peace that you and I can have through Jesus spiritually. Jesus came to bring us peace spiritually and, and he came specifically to bring us peace with God. I don't know what you had on your list this year for Christmas. It's funny, my, my kids' Christmas lists are the, still the same length but the, the money doesn't cover what they want anymore. Anybody got old kids? The money doesn't stretch to cover everything on the list. It's usually going to be like one. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know what was on your list and what you're hoping to maybe open tonight or tomorrow. But I can tell you this, the best gift you could ever give yourself ever, Christmas or otherwise, is peace with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been uh, studying a, a letter in the in the Bible. It's written by a guy named Paul. It's a second letter to a, a bunch of uh, new Christian friends he had from a place called Corinth. And in it, he basically does a lot of things, but he's explaining in this part of the letter why he, he does what he does as far as serving those, those churches that he started in, in, in the first century. He, he does it because he says in verse 14 of this chapter five of Second Corinthians, I, I do it because the love of Christ compels me. I can't help it. Jesus loved me so much that it, I, I, there's just no other choice for me. I've, I've got to wake up every day and talk about him and, and tell others about him. Uh, in the verses that follow that verse, 14, uh, we see his explanation of how we can have peace personally and how we can have peace relationally, and then we get to this great verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and it says this in Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, if anyone has faith in Christ, might be a better way to say that, he is a new creation. Paul says, the old has passed away, and behold, the new is come. Jesus came to bring us peace with God, and, and he came to make us this new creation. I love that uh, choice of words by Paul because it reminds me of the very front of your Bibles. If you got a Bible and you ever read it, you probably started on page one, which is actually the book of Genesis, chapter one, verse one, and it says this. Anybody know? In the beginning, what? God created. Yeah. The heavens and the earth. Now, The, 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 the Christian belief is that God created, and there wasn't a huge explosion or sheldon and the rest of the team they didn't create uh, big bang anyway uh, no we believe that god created and he created all of us uh, to be in relationship with him and so no wonder paul takes this this picture of creation and he uses it to describe us but he, it goes further most of us don't know the second verse in the bible or maybe we kind of do uh, i'll paraphrase it for you it basically says this uh, in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and, and the Earth, or everything that was, was null and void. It was dark and formless. said so the spirit hovered over the, the face of the waters, and, and it was dark. It was, it was just darkness everywhere. And then in verse three, you know what it says in Genesis, it says, "And God said, "Let there be what? Light. Turn the lights on." Sorry. And w- would it interest you to know that the sun doesn't come around for another day or two? This light wasn't solar, it was God. God turned the lights on in the dark. What a great picture, if you're not familiar with the Christian story, of what it is when people find faith in Jesus. Jesus is called, in other parts of the Bible, the light of the world. And every one of us is born into a spiritual darkness. And so we need to become new creations. Jesus was talking to a guy named Nicodemus one night, and he says, you got to be born again. you got to start over, man. Because you're born once, but you're born null and void and dark. And you need to be born again. You need to have a, a light turned on and inside of you through a faith in Jesus Christ. That's what will make you a new creation. He says, the old has passed away. You see that in verse 17? The old has passed away, and behold, all has become new. If you, if you kind of take it at its face value, it seems like you got one of those those gifts that basically is uh, is kind of a recycle gift. You know, one of those gifts that we I uh, used to get at Christmas, a replacement gift. Uh, my mom and dad weren't men and uh, are man and woman of means, and so I'd have these long lists of of toys that I'd circled in the J C Penny catalog. Remember those back before the internet? We had the catalogs. So I mean, like, what? used to work that way, and and, uh, so I'd have long lists of all these things that I wanted. Star Wars when it first came out, right? That's what I wanted, and uh, (laughs) I wouldn't get those things, but they would because they wanted the the gift count to be high under the tree. They would put a bunch of stuff that I was just going to get anyway. Socks and underwear were gifts that I got almost every Christmas, and I wouldn't get like the pack of six. They'd like take apart the pack of six socks, and they would pack each pair as an individual gift. And like after a while of doing this, I just start throwing those and, I'm you know, just put them in the drawer. I'll just leave them in the wrapping for when it's time to start new pairs of socks, right? Because that's just, you know, that's not a gift. Where's the toys? Don't give me underwear. But those are the things that wear out. They've got to be replenished. Did you know that your life is worn out if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? There's an extension expiration date on that. I'm not talking about when everybody dies. I'm talking about spiritually. You have until you meet Jesus or until you die to to do something about the the fact that that you need a replacement life. And that's what Jesus says here. Hey, Paul says about Jesus that he came to give us the replacement life. The old can go away. Throw the socks and the underwear out and bring in the new that is this life with Jesus. There's something about receiving something that you can't give yourself that resonates with the human soul. Isn't that true? Like that's what Paul's talking about here. Hey, he'll make you a new creation. You can't make you a new creation, but God can make you one through Jesus. Hey, he'll take away all your old stuff and he'll give you new stuff. You can't take away your old stuff and give yourself new, but God can. There's something about that that you know, even if you watch television, who used to watch uh, Extreme Makeover: Home Edition? Anybody ever watched Ty Pennington and the team? Oh, you're very excited about that, Dee. That's great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you get these things. You know, uh, these shows where where someone who who is just living in a, in, a, in a hovel, unable to to provide for himself or his family. Maybe he's he's uh, you know uh, gone, had an accident. Remember these shows, right? They had an accident. Got 68 kids, right? And uh uh, he can't provide for himself, and, and, the, and the bank's going to foreclose, and everybody in town loves him, but no one knows what to do to help him, and then they call Ty. And Ty shows up on Monday with a busload of craftsmen, and, and the whole town comes out, and they all say, hey, we're going we're gonna to give you a new house. But what do they do? Almost every episode, they knock down the old one. This old one's got to go. First day, tear out the old house, and then they spend the rest of the week, What? rebuilding the house until finally the last day comes as the family comes back from this great vacation that Ty always sent them on, fabulous. They'd come back and they'd stand in front of this bus and then they'd yell, move that bus and then all of America would weep, right? Whoever cried at Home Edition Extreme? I cried like a baby, I'm not afraid to tell you that because they'd move that bus and this family would be floored by what stood there in the place of their old home. You know why I cried and if you cried, you know why you cried? Because you got in touch with something that God has placed in the soul of every human being on earth. The understanding that we cannot do for ourselves and when other people or another deity does for us, it just wipes us out. It's this this thing we call and sing about, uh, we call it amazing grace. Jesus was born so that He could live and die and then live again. All in the name of saving us from ourselves, from our sins. It's what Christmas is all about. It's what Easter is all about. It's what the Bible is all about. If you ask me, it's what life is all about. Us figuring out this truth and living in faith in Jesus Christ. Said another way, here's how Paul writes about it in a book or a letter that he wrote to a a church in Rome. It's called the Book of Romans. In chapter 5 of that letter, verse one, it says, therefore, since we have been justified, great word, everybody understands justified, right? Justified means uh, made whole, brought back to par. Like, have you ever been debt, who's ever been in debt, like, uh, on a car loan or something like that, never paid it off? Anybody ever paid off a car loan? It's a great day when you get to pay off a loan, isn't it? Because you're finally like, I don't have to deal with you anymore. I always made a very, uh, you know, uh, a huge point of going into whoever I had loan- borrowed money from and, and paying them personally. Strike out that check right in front of them. How much do I owe? Oh, that'll be fine. Mm. Goodbye forever. And then walk away, right? Be dramatic about it. Because why? Because I'm done with you and I owe nothing anymore. When you read the word justified in the scriptures, what what the Bible's saying is that God has justified, he's brought everything back to par. No more debts. You are square. And how are we square since we've been justified by our faith? Not by our works, not by our efforts, not by us doing good enough so that God likes us uh, well enough to accept him into his, his, his. That's, that's not possible. There's nothing you and I can do to be good enough. Some of you are banking on that. And I gotta tell you, if you're kind of quasi-Christian because you grew up in America and your parents were kind of that way and, and you're here because it's Christmas and I'll see you at Easter and stuff like that, just listen to me real quick being quasi-Christian or better than someone down the road from you is not going to be enough to uh, reconcile you to a holy God. There's got to be perfection for you to be associated with perfection. And so your works, my works, they're not going to do it. We can only be justified by faith. And when we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, I'll tell you about that more in a little bit, then we can have what? Peace, peace with God, and it's through Jesus that we achieve it. Verse, verse 2 says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. That word grace there, if you read it in your Bibles, it's the Greek word uh, charisma or kareen in this case. And it's all from the root that means gift. And what, what the Bible's saying is there is that we, we've all been uh, able to obtain access to God by faith through this gift in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know what that means? If you've had uh, an experience in your life where you've understood that I can't save me, that, that I need Jesus uh, to be my Savior, and you've put your faith in Jesus, then what's happened is if you've unlocked the door to a hope for the glory of God. There's going to be a day someday when you die or I die or Jesus comes back. And when that day comes, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you can have a hope for an eternity in heaven with God, it's huge, huge implications and huge, huge stuff. For while we were still weak, it says in verse 6 of that letter, chapter 5, while we were still weak, weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. If I said to you, who in your life is ungodly, you'd probably rattle, rattle off a list for me, right? You can all go to your Facebook friends and be like, yeah, probably godly, ungodly. Oh, this guy is so ungodly, Right? You can go to your family, you know, photos and be like, Uncle Bill? Yeah, good guy. Uncle Ted? Whoa. Ungodly. And you would be all assessing people based on their behaviors. But can I just kind of even the playing field for everybody? You know what the Bible says about every human being? At birth, every one of us is ungodly. Like think about ungodly as being without God. We've got no tether, no tie. We're not in when we're born and we sin our way out. No, we're out. By our nature, we are separated from God. We're ungodly without God, every one of us. And that's what this verse is describing. We're weak, unable to help ourselves. We're ungodly. And it's at that moment that, that it's at that time that that Christ comes, and despite all of our f- failures and all of our inabilities. He does for us what we could never do. He dies for us. That's what sin requires, death. And he dies in our place. He takes all of our sins. A little bit later, I don't have time to read it tonight, but a little bit later in this same chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he paid the price that you and I should have paid for our sin. Verse 7 says, And back in Romans 5, it says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will even dare to die. Paul kind of catches himself there and parenthetically says, Well, there might be some case where someone would die for a good person. But his point is this. But God shows his love for us, verse 8, in that while we were still sinners, while we were a hot, steamy mess, Christ died for us. You know, I don't know if if you're a Christian in here. I don't know if you've got your head fully around that. Like, like, to put that in perspective, Santa has a list, right? He's making a list. Come on, checking it. He's going to find out who's Santa. Okay, that's nice. He's got a list. And who's on the list? He's got like two columns. Naughty, nice. And so if you're nice, what do you get? And you're looking forward to them, aren't you, pal? Atta boy. But if you're naughty, what do you get? Oh, wow. We've been paying attention in class this week. That's great. Yeah, you don't get, you get coal. You get nothing. Right? Okay, but wait a minute. Are there any truly nice kids in the world? Some of you are thinking, I've got a couple. And actually on the way here, Mark. They went from nice to naughty. Yeah, uh, it can happen in a split second. And in fact, uh, everybody in here, like I've been talking about, we're all naughty. But as, just as our parents give us gifts even when we are naughty, uh, when we are naughty, how, how much more does a heavenly father, a gracious and merciful heavenly father, lavish his love on us when we're a hot mess? You know, God's got a list, except there's not two columns. It's just the one, naughty, everyone, undeserving. And yet he sends his son, demonstrates his love for us in that the fact that all of us were not, it doesn't matter. He loves us so much that he overlooks that and by his grace sends Jesus. And he gives extravagantly, again, I don't know if I can wrap my head around this or help you do that in the time that we have tonight, but, but think about a deity, God sending his only son, Jesus, in essence himself, to die on your behalf and mine. I mean, I don't know about you, but I got a budget for my presents. anybody got a budget for Christmas presents? anybody sell their house or mortgage their house so you could get Christmas presents for people? This, I mean, I hope you didn't. That would be an unwise financial decision, right? Yeah, we all figure out I can spend this much, and this is how much you're going to get. We don't want to spoil our kids. This is how much we got. In fact, I went to Walmart this morning at seven thirty. Don't ask. But uh, went there this morning at seven thirty, and we're hanging out, and I I decided to get my kids some, or my grandkids some Lego. He's four years old. And so I saw these uh, Minecraft Lego, and on the shelf that they were on, it said twenty nine ninety seven, And I was like, that's in the budget. So we threw that in the cart, and we got up to the <laughs> checkout station, and they scanned that sucker, and it was 63 bucks. Price check, aisle 11, right? Because I need to know before I go any further what's going to happen with this price. Well, sure enough, one of the fine people at Walmart came up and said, yes, sure, indeed, we're sorry it was on that shelf. But this this is going to be 63 bucks. So anybody want to guess what I did? Sent that sucker back. It's Lego, people. 63 bucks for Lego. I will go to a garage sale and buy a barrel of it for 10. Are you with me? God bless you if you got that under your tree. You love your kids. I do not love them to the tune of 63 bucks. (coughs) He's got plenty to play with. We'll find something in the budget. That's how we roll, right? And when it comes to the salvation of men, most of us will be like, "Wait, you want me to die? You want me to die so the jerk in the row next to me could be a, a you know an inherent heaven? None of mo, mo, oh, none of us probably would be like, okay. But God, infinite, perfect. He sends His Son to die, and and Jesus, even though He was kind of like a little. Concert on the uptake, Hey, Father, if we can do this some other way, but not my will, but yours be done. Remember that? And then he, wills, he goes to the cross for us. I don't know if you, I don 't know if you gauge that or, or really understand that, but that's huge, and that 's the gift that my desire tonight is to give to you. Some of you might be sitting here and saying, oh, "I got it i 'm a participant in the peace, Mark, I got the gift. Do I have anything to say to you tonight? Yeah, the verses that come after this first uh, verse 17 in, in 2 Corinthians have a lot to say to us who have already been uh, blessed with the gift of peace with God. Let me just mention this to you real quick and then I'll get back to the ones who maybe haven't experienced that yet. If you're if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have peace with God through your faith in Jesus Christ, just know this this Christmas that Jesus gave us peace so that we could give it to others. We're, we're supposed to be regifters. gifters That's what I'm doing right now, right? I'm telling you about the peace that I've experienced. I'm not just giving you the company line. The elders didn't send me out here and say, Mark, you got to say this. I'm up here talking to you from my own heart, from my own experience. I am a recipient of the grace of God, and it would be my greatest joy to know that everybody in here is a recipient as well. And that's, my, that's my mission. It's your mission if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Spread the peace. Be a peace giver, a peacemaker. It says in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, All this, Paul continuing to write there, all this is from God. Not from me, not from my efforts, but from God. Who, through Christ, reconciled. There's another great peace word. Everybody gets reconciled, right? That means made things right. Brokered a peace. Through Christ, God brokered a peace uh, between us and himself. And then, once we have had that, once we have received that peace personally, what's he set us off to do? He says it right here. He gives us a ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, that is in Christ. Verse nineteen, God was reconciling the world to Himself. So that was what God did for us, not counting their trespasses against them. That's what happened with Christ. Christ on the cross cancels out our sins, uh, but then He entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. So Paul says it this way in verse twenty: He says, "Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody who's got the peace, spread the peace. We're the peace carriers." We're the ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, Paul finishes, be reconciled to God. So that's how I'm going to finish. My heart is that all of you, all of us, would be the recipients of this great gift. You know, I, I can't tell you how many, well, I can tell you exactly how many times I've preached a message here on Christmas Eve. This is my 11th. Some of you have been here for all of them. Many of you are already recipients of the peace. But some of you have been coming into town for 11 years. Hi, it's me again. It's great to see you. And I've been talking to you in one way or another about this opportunity that you have from the one true God to be reconciled to him and to be free from your sin. And, and you've listened to me over and over again, and, and still you're kind of you're like, eh, thank you, appreciate it. It's like that gift you get from somebody, and you're like, you know it's probably not going to be that you know, super special. And so you throw it in the back of your car, and it just stays there until one day you find it. And then you finally open this sucker, right? That's not how Jesus wants this to go, you know. I don't know about you, but at my house, uh, we, we give all the gifts. Someone becomes the elf, we actually have a hat with ears on it. And, and the person who's designated the elf doles out all the presents at my house tomorrow morning. And then we open them one by one, which is the proper way to do things, okay? All you crazy tear-into people, settle down. Just be civil. But everybody can see what they've received from each other. Because listen, this whole gift exchange thing is as much about the giver as it is the receiver, right? There's a joy in giving. Sometimes we'll get to the end of the process and the elf has missed a gift. And Someone will say, hey, wait a minute, Cooper hasn't opened what I've gotten for him. And uh, usually it's fallen down behind a couch or, you know, been kicked over into another room or something like that. And so there's a gift search until we finally, because no one's leaving until all the gifts are open. And when we finally find the gift, the gift comes to that person and they find that lost gift. You know what I think? A lot of times I think peace, the peace that only Jesus can give. It's this thing that you've you've been given. And the giver of this gift so desperately wants you to have this. But you keep keep leaving. You know what? Here's my prayer. My prayer is that tonight would be the last night that you live on this earth without the gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ in your life. And because I'm committed to that, I'm going to do something that's not usually our custom. It's going to get weird. You're like, oh no, Mark, I told him it wouldn't get weird. I told him it wouldn't be weird. I promised him that we're the, the, we're the church that's not weird. It's not going to be super weird. It's going to be different. Because see, I get up here as your pastor, and I, I talk all the time about the grace of God in people's lives, and I hope that people will come up and talk to me after. and. Some of you asked why don't we ever do altar calls? Why don't we ever let people have a chance to come in? Well, because, you know, some cultures it's kinda okay and others it's not. But but tonight we're doing it. Tonight I'm gonna give people who haven't met Jesus yet a chance to meet him with me or with one of our other pastors. So here's the deal. We're gonna sing a very familiar song. that we all sing at Christmas time. It's about the the coming of our Savior. It's called Silent Night. Heard it? And in each of the corners of our room, we're going to post up some pastors. They're nice people. They've brushed their teeth. They would love to talk to you about the joy of their salvation because all they are is regifters. They're just taking something that's been given to them and they just want to share it with you. Everybody who stands on this stage has received the gift. Everybody, many of you who are sitting in this room have received the gift. And, and, and we just, man, we just want so badly for you to have what we have. know the joy of the Lord in your life. So if you want to talk to someone about how you can put your faith in Jesus Christ, how you can receive peace on earth, then you get up while we're singing this song. You know one of my favorite lines in this song? uh, It says, sleep in heavenly what? Peace, yeah. You know what my, my prayer is tonight? Is that tonight you would sleep, maybe for the first time ever, because of your new relationship with Jesus Christ in a heavenly peace that faith would be yours. As we stand to sing this, just step out of your seat, go to one of the corners. One of our pastors would love to talk to you about putting your faith in Jesus. Make it the best Christmas ever. Open the gift of peace in your life. Let's sing. Stand with us as we sing. God is talking to you, quit waiting, go as he leads, talk to someone about the peace that only he can give. Pray with me for a second. God in heaven, we thank you for your gift. We thank you that you came so that we could have peace. As you grant your peace on everybody in this room? Those who have already met you, give them your peace. Those who haven't met you yet, lead them to your peace, God. for the gift that Jesus is at Christmas. May we follow you with all of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing that with us one more time. church. Merry Christmas. Love you guys. Have a great day tomorrow. We got some cocoa and some cookies on the way out. May you live in the peace that only Jesus can give. God bless you as you go. Merry Christmas.